Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Okay, so in all reality, this was the best season of my life. I owe it to you guys. I owe it to the guys on this stage. I owe it to everybody in Chiefs Kingdom and the organization that we've be able to, been able to create. Everybody's asking this is a dynasty. It's been a dynasty. Y'all just ain't know this until now. Believe that still, and it's Chiefs Kingdom forever, baby. We love y'all. Let me hear you say, oh! Na na na! Let's run the back. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. That is the potty mouth one, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I'm, I'm chastising him for, for speaking poorly. Uh, and we are delighted to welcome in Dave Tobe. Dave, of course, the chief special teams coordinator and uh, a Super Bowl champion yet again. Dave, good morning. How are you? Morning, guys. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And uh, and Dave, I mean, goodness gracious, that parade was something special. And oh, everybody's saying the same thing, which is, hey, this is more the beginning than the end. And and I think that that is a well um, stated comment because the Chiefs, who knows where you guys end up? It's extraordinary on what was supposed to be a, a rebuild after losing Tyreek Hill. You guys cruised to that championship with the quarterback hurt. Yeah, it's, the, the, first of all, the parade was incredible. The parade was incredible. I, I think there was more people there this time than there was the first time. Uh, we're so fortunate that we're able to do it again. It's just crazy. And then Kelsey, what, what a guy. <laughs> he's, just, he's such a personality, and, and uh, he's our guy. When you, you know, for parades, he's perfect for a parade. <laughs> so, Dave, you're on the sidelines when Devin Hester makes history and returns the opening kickoff back in the Super Bowl for the Bears, and there you are again on Sunday night when the longest punt return in Super Bowl history, Kadarius Toney delivers that 65 yards later. Great scheme <laughs> because in <laughs> his athleticism obviously surfaced and he reversed fields, but how would you describe that play and just how special it is to be part of that kind of history? Well, obviously a lot of credit goes to him and the guys the blocking was, was really good, but uh, he, he's incredible. You know, the kid, he knew that sooner or later he was going to be able to pop one. You know, it was, he was, he's been close all, every time that he's been back there. And uh, the kick was short left. We had a right return called. He was able to stop, get back to the wall where we had it in design. And once he hit the wall, we knew we had a good shot there to get something big. It was interesting, uh, Dave, because on the broadcast, uh, we heard uh, 
the former Bears tight end, uh, Greg Olson, say that he talked to you before the game yeah. and you told him, hey, there hasn't been a kick, a punt return. In a, in a, it's almost like he, you had predicted that in a way. Did you know that you were going to have that good an opportunity? Was it knowing about Tony? And, my God, when he cut back, I think seven guys were moving in the other direction. That, that, that was an unbelievable move. It reminded me of his college days. Yeah, it did. And, and then I, you know, it, I did talk to Greg before the game, and, and we talked about that. I just said, you know, there's never been a punt return for a touchdown. I, I thought we had a shot. I really did. And I thought, you know, the combination of uh, Tony and, and, and the, the way the guys were blocking and the way we were peeking out at the end of the season, you know, we had a nice – we had two big returns in the championship game as well. One of them called back, uh, you know, with, uh, with Sky Moore. And I knew we were hitting our stride late, and I knew we, we would have a chance with the punts. So, uh, you know, I just kind of threw that nugget out for him, and, you know, and he kind of – it ended up coming through. So, Just overall, Dave, this year, uh, Travis Kelsey alluded to it a lot post-game, but th- this wasn't the season necessarily where a lot of people expected the Chiefs to be Super Bowl champions. Other teams were trendier picks in the AFC, certainly, and the Eagles came into the Super Bowl – uh, after making history in Philadelphia all season long, how much did that contribute? Whether from the and how much did you, as as a coach, and did the coaching staff play that up in the preparation? Obviously, all athletes find their edge somewhere, but was that accentuated by the coaching staff? Sure, it was. It was. Uh, you know, we knew. You know, we had a lot of rookies. You know, I had there, at any one point, I had I'd, I'd had up to seven guys on the kickoff team. They were all rookies. Seven out of eleven guys. So, I mean, that's just – I've never had anything like that. And, you know, we knew uh, that we need to keep developing these guys. We had to be patient. You know, and I thought all the coaches, you know, on, on offense, defense, and special teams did a great job, uh, you know, with our patience with these guys. We, we've made some mistakes. We've had, we've had our lumps. But the one common denominator was Pat Mahomes. You know, he makes everybody better. Uh, you know, we, we would win games sometimes when, uh, you know, we had our backs to the wall. And, and it just was an incredible season the way the whole thing came together and the way we kept getting wins. And, uh, you know, it's a credit to Coach Reed and, and, and just everybody on the, the whole entire organization. Dave, I read uh, somewhere that you had 10 rookies drafted. All 10 of them were on the, the, uh, the 53-man roster. So, obviously, not a surprise that you had seven rookies on your, uh, on your return team. How, how – like, you've always had, like, a top 10 – top five you've always been atop the rankings with your special teams and this was a tough year for you basically because of all the rookies um having gone through that does that mean you improve on special teams moving forward because these guys have had the experience no question i mean next year uh you know the guys i'll still be playing with the same guys yeah. i mean they're rookies but they're they're you know they're younger players now and but they had that experience of 23 games. We played 23 games. It's like it's like two college seasons for these kids, you know. So I told them, I said, "You're not rookies anymore," you know. So so going forward, we're, we we we're excited about you know how good we're going to be not only on special teams but offense and defense. You know, we had some things happen to us during the year. Obviously, you know, with with Bucker's sprained ankle. I mean, he, that was a severely sprained ankle in week one. Uh, and then we battled through. We had a couple kickers throughout the year and. So those things hurt you in the statistical uh, part of it, but we never lost faith in what we were doing, you know, kickoff, punt coverage, and return game. Uh, and my, my putter ended up making Pro Bowl, and he was a pro bowler and all pro. So, you know, and that's Tommy Townsend. So, right. 
you know, that really helped us, you know, sometimes when the offense sputtered and we had to flip the field, we were able to do that. And we were also able to pin him down there when we had to make pooch punts. And uh, he did a great job for us. He was consistent all year. So we, we relied on him and then we relied on the rookies to get better throughout the season. And, and that's what happened. You know, Dave, you mentioned Butker and Greg Olson in the booth referenced the, the, the surface before the final kick and hoping that he had the footing because we saw earlier in the game, Jake Elliott kind of slip when he was kicking off and all throughout the game, examples of guys having a difficult time on that surface. In your mind, how bad was that surface? Well, I actually thought the surface was good compared to the week one. You know, so we, we went down and worked out on Friday during the week, and, and we were kind of happy with it, you know, as, as looking at it as kickers and punters, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, compared to what it was week one when we played on it. So uh, it was better as far as that goes. But really, you know, both teams have to play on it. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, you know, it was slippery for them, it was slippery for us. Uh, it ended up being a little bit more slippery in the game like situation. Uh, you know, than, than, than I actually thought it would be. When you see a guy like Mahomes doing what he's done, and again, you know, I, you know, obviously best quarterback in the league right now, maybe injured the second best quarterback, the injured Mahomes. <laughs> I mean, he it's just extraordinary given, you know, we hear high ankle sprain. You immediately think, well, that's a six-week injury. I mean, that, that, there's nobody in the league that's going to be able to play like that. They kept them clean and he delivered yet again. And when he limped off at halftime, I think a lot of people watching the game were just kind of like, oh, no, you know, this is the, the end of yeah. the Chiefs' chances. And then he comes back out and plays basically a perfect half. I think he threw one away. What, what is it like to, to have a guy of, of that skill as the leader of your team? It's, it's really a confidence, Mike. I mean, it's just, you know, you just know it. When you're walking around the locker room, you're down 10 points, and he's – you know, he's ranting and raving in there saying, hey, let's play our football. And, you know, you know he's going to come out. You know, he, he doesn't say stuff and he never not backs it up. Let's put it that way. Hmm. You know, so if he, you know, if he, if he's ranting and raving in the, in the locker room at halftime and uh, you, you know he's going to come out and play ball, you know, he's not, he's not worried about his ankle, you know. And, and, and so I, I'd be honest with you, I didn't even think about it. You know, I didn't think about it for one minute about him being injured. I know, you know, it did. You know, he got up slow, and I, I thought about it then. But at the, at the locker room, I knew he was playing. You know, there was no question about it. And then the way he fired up the team, him and Kelsey on the offensive side, and then Steve Spagnuolo, you know, the, the, yeah. I thought the speech that he gave the D-line, the, the defensive team, uh, you know, and the adjustment they made was just – it's pretty awesome, man. It was just awesome to see. You know, I'm, I, I sit back at the halftime, and I kind of – you know, I don't do much. I know we have – you know, we have the return. I tell them what return we're going to put in. You know, because we started the game off, uh, you know, with the return. But besides that, it's, you know, it's me sitting back and watching the adjustments that are made. And I thought our group, our coaches, did an outstanding job at halftime, you know, with the time that we had allotted uh, while Rihanna was out there performing. You missed a heck of a show, Dave. I mean, she put on a no, great we show. Always miss, we always miss the show, but, I mean, that's a good thing. It's like Andy said. He said, if you guys want to watch the show, just keep on going. Don't come back. So that staff is a special mix, Dave, and obviously you've been there for a long time since leaving the Bears in, in 2012 after that season uh, with the Chiefs. And Matt Nagy, uh, we, we heard from him last week. He returns as a quarterback's coach, and a lot of people in Chicago still very happy for Matt Nagy having to experience that. What role, how would you describe he played this year on that staff and the fact that he was able to just get back into the fold as quickly and as easily as he did? 
Well, I'm so happy for him. I mean, he's, he's really a great friend. You know, he really is a great friend, always was a great friend when he was at Chicago as well. Uh, you know, hired my son, uh, you know, so I owe a lot to Matt Nagy. You know, he's a great football coach. You know, I know he's going to get another shot. I mean, he came in here and he, he just, he, he was rejuvenated. And that's really what it was, you know, for him. And it was fun to watch. It was fun to see. And, uh, you know, he was just so happy and so elated about the whole thing. I mean, it was his first championship game that he's been to and obviously the first Super Bowl. So, um, you know, to come out on top, you know, he, he, he's, he's hungry to get back, back again, just like everybody else is. But uh, for him personally, uh, it really, really was redemption. Dave, I, I, I thought you were in Chicago a long time. But the reality is you've been in Kansas City longer than you were in Chicago. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm very fortunate, Mike. I'm very fortunate. Well, it's I mean, Dave, I mean, you know, you you had success here. I mean, great success here. But now you're in the Super Bowl every year. And as we said to start the conversation, it feels like that's going to go on for a while. The first question we asked was, you know, two and four years. Will they have two more in four years after the game? I think that's that's the kind of way we were reacting to it because – I don't know. I mean, you guys are really good, and you got a lot of good things in place. What's it like? I mean, you're working your tail off. Obviously, you talk about the rookies, but the the constant success, five straight championship games in your building, that's extraordinary. It really is. You know, someday we're going to go back and look at it. I mean, you know, you know, and then we do interviews like this, people remind you about that stuff, but I tell you, I'm I'm just glad I'm 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 here and you know and with these guys and and you know I I don't I feel young right until I look in the mirror and then I look in the mirror and I go holy <laughs> who's that old guy <laughs> you know I'm I'm 60 years old now but I I tell you these guys keep me young and and I don't want to leave I don't want to stop because I love doing what I'm doing and, and it's just fun to be around Coach Reed and and the players that we have and we got nine more draft picks this year wow, and the wow. draft is here in town so you know we're excited about it you know. <laughs> And Dave, you know, people in Chicago, uh, we're going to always look at you as a guy that was the special teams coordinator during the Devin Hester era. And last week, I thought that was going to be great symmetry. You were going to be at the Super Bowl in Arizona. Devin Hester was going to be introduced as a class of 2023. Oh, Didn't happen. Yeah. Have you talked to Devin? And do you think it's inevitable? Because we are sure waiting for that moment here in Chicago. Yeah, I'm waiting for it too. I I did talk to him. I you know I talked to him before. You know that, that he found that he didn't get in, and uh, you know obviously I talked to him after too. Um, you know I I, I just I really do think uh, Dave, it's going to be a, it's just a matter of time. You know I really do. Um, you know maybe next. You know hopefully next year. You know and and it's it's going to wear on them. It's going to start wearing on them like it does on those guys that don't get in right away. Uh, but you know we got to keep them relevant. You know you guys got to keep them relevant. We got to keep bringing them up every year and. Uh, you know, make it make it important, and and you know, I, I really was surprised he didn't get in this year. To be honest with you. Yeah, I, I was surprised too, Dave. And, and we talked to him after last year, uh, and he was disappointed. He wanted to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he thought he deserved right. it. And you know, when we talk about, obviously, we we talk to Dan Pompey a lot, and Dan is the guy presenting him in the room, and um, and he said there was, you know, there's a lot of support. But he did – he wasn't even in the final 10 this time, and I don't know if that's because – you know, I don't know why he lost some ground. But, uh, you know, the thing is they changed the rules because of Devin Hester, right? Nobody – those two There's years, no I've never seen the, – the, his, his rookie year and all that was unbelievable. Then to come back and double down on it, that – I don't know – and I get it. You know, people worry about how many uh, – how many – 
uh, plays you have and all that stuff. And, and you know, it's special teams. You can only play the plays you play. You That's know what I mean? it. He, I mean, he played the plays he played, and he, he scored, like, all the time. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. You know, nobody does that. I mean, some people get big returns, but he was he, he knew how to get in the end zone, you know. And then he, he did change the game. You know, Mike, he, you know, the, everybody had to have a returner. You know, everybody had to have that guy after that. And then, then everybody had to have cover guys, guys that could cover and tackle this guy. You had to take all the big guys off the, the coverage units. And, and even on the back end, on – in the return game to be able to make it work. You had to have guys that could stay and, and, and sustain blocks, um, you know, and then he changed the rules as far as the wedge goes, and you know, the way, you know, the, the, the injuries and stuff that happened there. Plus, you know, having Devin back there was almost unfair with the, with the wedge. So, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing, you know, and then the coaching too, and the coaching change, the emphasis on special teams. I mean, everybody, right. everybody ended up having two guys now instead of one. You know, two coaches. You have an assistant and a, and a head guy too now. So, uh, just the emphasis of it, you know, the importance of it. He changed the game. I mean, it's, I don't know what more could be said about it. So, Dave, how is the family doing? Your your wife Cheryl, Shane, you mentioned yeah. uh, in coaching, and and your daughter as well. Yeah, my my son, my son is uh, my Cheryl's doing great. Uh, you know, she just went over to work out, but my <laughs> my my daughter's a junior at at Kansas. You know, oh. which is right up the road from where I live, and then my son is a defensive analyst at Kansas and they had a great year this year. And, you know, he, you know, he, he's in college right now, but he wants to get, he wants to get it uh, back in the NFL. Uh, you know, he, he had a taste of it for four years, loves it. And that's where he belongs. So he's working at trying to get back. Dave, you're a class act. We really appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on all your success. It is, you know, just from afar, it's fun to watch a Super Bowl and and know somebody in it, right? Just to, you, you got a lot of fans here in Chicago, and uh, well, and we're among them. I got a lot of great friends in Chicago. Loved it there. I had nine years there. I enjoyed my time there. And, and thanks a lot for having me on, Mike and Dave. Thanks, Thank Dave. you. See you, Dave. That is Dave Tobe. We talk to Dave whenever he goes to the Super Bowl, and it, we end up talking to him we, all the we time. We talk to him a lot yeah. every year, it? it seems like, because they are the closest thing right now the NFL has to a dynasty. And I got to tell you, like special teams, when you talk to people who coach special teams, and we've talked to Dave about it because Dave coached special teams for a season or two down in Tampa um, at the end of his career, it, it is, there are so many decisions, so many elements to special teams. And, and, and uh, Dave Tobe, absolutely correct. Now you've got more help, right? When he was here, it was Dave, and he was doing everything, and then you get – you have a guy that's kind of helping you. Now it's almost like you got full-time guys helping you because people finally realize, number one, the impact of special teams, field position as important as it is, et cetera. But, but the work, what, what they have to do is unbelievable. Yeah, and also who you're working with. And you see the Chiefs had, yeah. they except for the Bears and the Texans, and we know where those two teams finished, yes. did the third highest amount of rookies that were used in terms of snaps this season when that happens those guys as he alluded to yes. are on special teams they're covering kicks they're covering punts they're on the kickoff return units these are things that have to be in sync and managed and coached because you don't want a dumb penalty during the kicking game get in the way of field position in a big game and and frankly the one element of it that people miss is that you never draft someone i mean maybe Devin hester but you never draft someone because they're a special teams player. You fit them in. These are all guys yep. that
that have been stars at other positions from high school and college, and now they got to play special teams in the NFL, and they've never done it before they for buy the in, most part. They and that do. coach has to get them to yeah, buy in. You've got to sell them on that, yep. on, on understanding the role and the contribution they're making. Great to talk to Dave Tobe. How about that with the parade? That was fun stuff. That was fun. I'm getting tired of uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. I, I'm kind of getting. I I just I don't like the potty mouth stuff. You know that. I just think there's better ways of expressing yourself, Travis. And and you know the other thing is, nobody was saying that they had no chance. People thought that it was going to be hard for them to readjust. But good God, stop playing this disrespect card. You've got tons of respect. People respect the heck out of you. I hear you. Trust me, a little crazy. All right, we've got. Uh, we got more. We're going to talk. Um, Stephanie Epstein from SI.com. She was at the news conference where Rick Hahn addressed reporters yesterday, and she asked some of the key questions about this Mike Clevenger situation. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Like, the agent could have told you, but the player could have told you, too. Independent of whether the allegations are true, the player could have told you he was under investigation and you could have made a decision that way. Uh, now is because you didn't know. question is... Are you frustrated with him for, for putting you in this position? I understand why he didn't. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We are delighted to welcome in Stephanie Epstein. You hear her, heard her there and that exchange yesterday in Arizona with uh, Rick Hahn and Stephanie works for Sports Illustrated. And we are delighted to welcome her to the program. She appears, as all guests do, on The Score 
Hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Stephanie, how are you this morning? I am all right, thanks. How are you? Well, I, you know, I got to tell you, I, I listened to what Rick said there, and he said, well, I understand why he did. Do I? Do Do you understand? I mean, does he understand the guy wanted the twelve million? Is that? I mean, I don't. I don't know what that answer means. I thought your question was great. He he clearly tried to buy some time and was a little stumped, and and then he kind of said that. I just don't know what he means. I think that Rick is in a tough spot there. I think that he. He doesn't really want to open camp by saying, yeah, I'm frustrated with this guy who we just signed. And he also doesn't want to say, no, I think this is totally fine. So I think he landed on, I understand why he didn't tell me, uh, which I agree is perhaps not a satisfying answer. Uh, but I think that that is what he was going for, that I can under- that he understands why the player did not disclose it, which does not, truthfully, does not totally answer the question of whether he's frustrated. It just says that he understands why. But I can understand why he tried to avoid uh, answering it directly. So, Stephanie, in your reporting, obviously we understand that Major League Baseball is a, is a sole authority here in terms of doling out discipline. The White Sox are at the mercy of the investigation. But when you look at due diligence and that broad term that is applied to you know, this, this free agent uh, signing and, and other things, do you feel like – did you get a sense that there's, the White Sox could have done more, could have learned more, did they not see what they weren't looking for? How, how would you describe their responsibility here? I think what you said is all correct. Uh, and I think that that is one thing that I tried to parse at other points in the press conference. There's a difference between the investigation and the underlying allegation. So Hans said correctly that the only way they could have known of the investigation is if somebody broke confidentiality agreement. Obviously, the player can break it. It's, it's designed to protect him in part. But – they, you know, a league official is not allowed to call the White Sox and say, hey, just so you guys know. But the allegation was there to be found. Uh, I mean, this woman was speaking to investigators, so she was obviously, she was cooperating um, and has been cooperating. And so if you had wanted to call her, I, I don't know, I, I suppose she could have answered the phone and said, uh, you know, wrong number. But I would imagine that if she's speaking to league investigators, she would be willing to speak to investigators who are uh, considering signing a free agent. Uh, and in, then in addition to that, you know, this is a complicated affair, but there, there have been allegations in the past. There have been, there's been some discord among his past partners, and much of it has appeared on Instagram. And so I think if, if I was aware of that, it feels like perhaps the team that's considering committing $12 million to this man should have been. And he's also, you know, Han mentioned yesterday that there were some questions of immaturity in the past. There was the ducking out during COVID. There have mm. been, there's been some misbehavior. And it is, of course, a huge leap from immaturity to uh, domestic, domestic violence, either alleged or whatever, to any kind of, of worse behavior. But I do think that gives you a place to look. If you are considering signing a person who has shown poor judgment in the past, I think it is your responsibility as a team to wonder, did he show poor judgment in other areas? And even if we have to look a little bit harder to find them, even if they haven't been reported in the press, we should assume that there's a chance that something like this is out there. 
Olivia Feinstead, the accuser in this case, uh, Stephanie, was on the station yesterday. So I know she put out an Instagram post. They they contacted her on social media, and she came on with the afternoon show. So, you know, yeah, I heard, it just, I heard it, that. doesn't that look even worse for the White Sox that they couldn't track her down? Now, maybe because she did the interview in The Athletic and she's now got her name out and all that, but I just wonder about how easy it was to to get a hold of this woman and why that was not the case when the Sox were signing him. I think that there is an argument that could be made, and I would make that argument, that teams considering signing free agents, especially those with character questions, should call their exes and ask, why are you an ex? And you don't have to take everything that she says at face value, but I think that you should know what, what women in his past are saying about him because if they are saying if they'll say it to you it's possible they will say it to someone else so at least at a minimum you should know what you're dealing with whether you believe that there's more to the story or not but i think that 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 certainly his conduct around women in his past is as relevant as whatever his single a clubhouse guy Mm. is going to say and they do call that guy so i think that it women who with whom the power dynamic is complicated I I I don't I don't understand why a team willing to commit these large sums of money to these players why it wouldn't take what seems to me like a fairly obvious next step. And it's not just the White Sox I think who are who make these mistakes, but the White Sox have demonstrated a pattern of sort of missing key information on people. And so I think and Han said yesterday that they're going to reevaluate their process and I think that that's sort of a pretty obvious place to start. Talking with Stephanie Epstein from Sports Illustrated here on the score. Stephanie, so Obviously, I'm not asking you to reveal uh, your reporting and, and where you're going next, but I am curious, after hearing from Olivia Feinstead yesterday on this station and her willingness to come forward with information so willingly, is there more reporting to be done here? Does this open up a door to what, you know, Mike Clevenger was so adamant in his denial. He said he would be fully exonerated. He used terms that that people almost to... there's nothing to see here. And yet the sense is from hearing from his accuser, there might be a lot more to this story. Is there more reporting to be done? Yeah. Yeah. I think there definitely is. Um, And I think both on the micro scale of this question and then also on the macro scale of how the league handles allegations like these, how teams handle allegations like these, like what is this process looking like from Olivia Feinstead's end? What is it looking like from Mike Clevenger's end? You know, there's a lot of, moving parts here and I think fans you know fans are gonna it's not these tickets are expensive you have a lot of other options and I think if fans are going to commit to following teams they deserve to know what's going on to make those teams you know I got to tell you I think what's really interesting to me Stephanie is this idea that they came out and they were very um, careful about how they talked about this but they but Rick Hahn said you know basically that there's there's really nothing that we could do about it because it's all in the commissioner's hands and there's but it's my understanding that if you wanted to waive someone you could waive them at any time and it, yeah. I get it it costs you twelve million dollars but what what is the value of negative public what is the value of positive vi it's just I I hear from a lot of Sox fans and we've gotten a lot of calls at the station. 
people that don't want to give money to the team anymore, don't want to be a part. I mean, you're you're risking alienating. A lot of people have been closely associated with abusive behavior and have been through horrors with it and know uh, people that have been through it. I just think that it almost would be worth $12 million to not deal with this. So I asked very similar questions yesterday. I spent a good bit of yesterday trying to determine the answer because when – Han says that their only option is to let the process play out. That is not literally true. Literally, they can release him. If he's, not on administ- if he's on administrative leave, as Trevor Bauer was, then there is no mechanism to release him. You can't touch him. But if he's not on administrative leave, as Mike Clevenger is not, he's reported to camp, the team can release a player, any player it wants to. The issue that the White Sox would face at that point is, I guess it's threefold. One is you know, that in theory they would like to see if the – they would like to let the investigation play out and see if the allegations are found to be founded. A, a lot of fans, I think, would take issue, would say, even if there's, a, if there's smoke, you know, we don't want this guy around. But that is one prong. Uh, another prong, so maybe it's fourfold, is the financial commitment, that if he is suspended after they release him, they don't recoup any of the salary. To that, I would say, well, you're the White Sox, you know, $12 million. Like, you should, you know, sorry, that's the right. tax that you pay for not right. having done your due diligence. Right. The third and fourth issues are one that they're they worry that the union will grieve will file a grievance and say that they have somehow uh denied er, that clevenger himself could sue that they've denied him some portion of his future earnings because they've tarnished his reputation Uh, the team would seem to have a pretty good case that the it was the investigation that that tarnished his reputation not the uh release but you can't be certain that a judge won't sign with side with him and charge you for however many millions of dollars he, he says he would earn in the future. So there is that uncertainty. And then I think the biggest issue facing them is that it is my understanding that the commissioner's office would be very unamused if a team released a player under investigation. It is not technically against the rules, but the commissioner's office would feel that a team is undermining its justice system, that the point of the investigation is that the player not face jeopardy or uh, punishment from the team and from the league and that they would consider a release to be punishment. And so I think, I mean, the White Sox could do it, but I think that that would be, they would be, the the commissioner's office would place some pressure on them not to do that because they think that that, uh, that that makes it harder for them to undertake these investigations going forward. But then you, don't you, have just, to agree you just with tell them, you just tell them to do it faster. Yeah, do it Take faster. less than seven <laughs> months, okay? Yes. So, that I think everyone can agree that this investigation is going on very, for a very long time. And I think that that, I think that now that it's public, everybody is sort of being asked to make a decision here. We can't just, we can't just let this drag on forever. Stephanie, before we let you go, I'm very curious of what you what was your level of surprise that yesterday you asked great questions of Rick Hahn, and I think that he was very careful in the way that he answered everything, weighing every word, parsing every statement, and I understand because he's, let's face it, he's, he's got a law degree, he's got a business degree, he's, got, he's a very well-educated man. And you contrast that with Mike Clevenger, very open for somebody who's being accused, very bold in saying that I will be exonerated. Did you read anything into how that was in such stark contrast of Han being very careful and deliberate and Mike Clevenger saying, well, you know what? I didn't do anything. And that's the, the, the proof is going to be in the investigation. Uh, I think that Clevenger was open to an extent. Uh, I mean, I know reporters asked him whether he had communicated with Trevor Bauer, who is one of his close friends and who obviously uh, just 
has some experience with the, the league justice system himself, and he was not willing to address that. He was he definitely was open on the points on which he wanted to be open, but that was pretty much limited to I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And so I think I think that in that sense he sounded pretty forceful, but when pressed for details, he was pretty unwilling to go into them, which I think honestly is for the same reason. I think they're both afraid that they're going to put themselves in legal jeopardy if they say anything they're not supposed to say. And so uh, I think basically what Clevenger feels he can say without getting in trouble is I didn't do it. And what Rakan feels he can say without getting into any trouble is we got to let the investigation play out. And so I think that is kind of what you saw. Stephanie Epstein from Sports Illustrated. Thanks a ton, Stephanie. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good day, guys. That is uh, that is interesting stuff. That's okay. clarity. I mean, well, I mean, I guess so. MLB is going to be mad at you. Uh, the commissioner will be. I you know. Well, so what, the what are you doing? I'm just saying. I know. But Come on. There I mean, is nothing. Then you know what? Let us know before we, you know, step in this mess. MLB well, should be as embarrassed as the Sox should be about this whole thing. They should be absolutely true. And the Sox, I think, should be more so because they uh, are in this mess. They put themselves in this situation. But what she said is true. They're literally what Rickon said wasn't the case. There are other options. There are, are other ways that they can deal with this if they wanted to. And it's what we, how we started the show will end it the same way. You know, what is the price of integrity on the South side? The going rate's $12 million. Wow. Right? You're selling it cheap at that price. I mean, listen, I'll never see $12 million. I'd have no idea how to begin spending it. I'd love to try, but uh, it would ruin me for God's No, it, it's an awful thing to give up your integrity for $12 million. She was good. She, she's she on top excellent. of this story. Yeah, it's a good story, yeah. too, from her perspective. She She's... And you're right. There are a lot of tentacles to this that have to be investigated now because of the different things that have been said. So hopefully we have enough uh, people in the business that are going to look into it. All right, 312-644-6767. That's the number that you shouldn't use uh, right now because right now it's time to call the scores contest line. All right? That's 312-540-0670. In fact, I think the regular line is probably <laughs> blocked. But call 312-540-0670. You'll win a pair of tickets to the Clark Kellogg tip-off the Madness event at Rivers Casino. That's on March 9th. you got to be 21-plus to attend. Tickets are on sale at RiversCasino.com. We've got uh, Dan and Lawrence joining us next. It's Molly and Haw on the score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Destination. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.